G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It is an inspiring story that encompasses probably the most beloved holiday in the Western world. In today's program, we're going to get some insight about the wonderful birth of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And I welcome you to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Here we're going to learn about the birth of Jesus. As I have said, we're going to learn that the conception of Jesus is miraculous. The pregnancy of Mary and the birth of the Savior were very normal. And it is, of course, the theme that surrounds the holiday called Christmas. It's very interesting because Christmas is still a very popular holiday, even though it's been under attack from progressive forces, not all, in the Western world. But it's funny, even the more that Christmas gets attacked in the Western world, the more it flourishes in the non-Western and even the non-Christian world. I have been amazed at some countries where Christians are only a minority, and yet that country is very enthusiastic about Christmas. Oh, yes, there could be the pagan aspects of it that we uh, might object to, you know, green trees and bowing down to green trees and things of that. But can I just say, when it comes to the things of Christmas, do what your conscience tells you to do. If your conscience tells you yes, by all means, go for it. If your conscience tells you no, don't do it, because anything that's not of faith is of sin. But I'll tell you this, it is still one of the greatest opportunities the church has to proclaim the gospel, because it's Christmas time, to have, as it were, you know, Christmas plays and Christmas outreach and Christmas music and what have you. It is a resounding opportunity, and people don't mind, because, well, even if they normally get a little bit edgy because you're talking from the Bible, when it's Christmas time, who can object? And and most will not. So I do believe, let's seize the moment, but let every person be persuaded in their own mind, Christmas or not. Now, in addition to learning about the birth of Jesus, which of course is meant to be the centerpiece of the Christmas holiday, there are things that we will probably challenge as far as the normal Christmas narrative. Not so much whether the events happened, but whether the events happened when we think they happened. I'm speaking primarily of 
the wise men versus the shepherd. Yes, there were shepherds involved, and we read about them in the Gospel of Luke. Yes, there were wise men involved, and we read of them in the Gospel of Matthew. But if you get a normal nativity scene, who do you find? You find shepherds, and you find wise men, as well as Joseph and Mary, and Jesus lying in a manger. And of course, remember, a manger is a nice way of calling an animal feeding trough. This is one that was born not just in obscurity, but in poverty, even though in heaven he's richer than rich. He was rich, but for our sakes, Jesus became poor that we through his poverty might become rich, declares the great apostle Paul. So the Christmas story is a great story, but at the same time, let's be faithful to the word of God and and accept things as we will see them. So I'm not here to pop bubbles. I'm not here to crunch on toes. I'm not here to take sacred cows and turn them into mincemeat. My purpose is to teach the Word of God and hear verse by verse. So Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, our lesson is called The Birth of Jesus. Let me highlight just one verse here for now. And that's verse 21 of Matthew 1. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. These words are from the angel of the Lord to Joseph. And he's saying that Mary's not only going to conceive, not only going to have a child, not only have a son, but he will be called Jesus. And the reason is that Jesus shall save his people from their sins. Jesus The name means Savior. 979 times that name is mentioned. And let me tell you, not only does Jesus save, but he saves to the full. I want to read to you now the entire portion of Matthew 1, 18 to 25. It's about the birth of Jesus. And again, the reference is Matthew 1, 18 to 25. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and our lesson is called The Birth of Jesus. Well, friends, this is a wonderful passage. We have just learned, of course, in the previous lesson about the genealogy of Jesus. 
And what did we learn about the genealogy? Well, we learned that Jesus is the son of David, and even earlier than that, he's the son of Abraham. Jesus and David are a thousand years apart. David and Abraham are a thousand years apart. That means Abraham to Jesus, 2,000 years apart. Think of it. You know, the church has waited 2,000 years for the second coming of Jesus. Well, there is a precedent, because Abraham waited 2,000 years for the first coming of Jesus. And as it says in John 8, Abraham rejoiced to see Jesus' day. He saw it and was glad. So there is, yeah, God is not in a massive hurry, but I'll tell you this, he's never too late either. Abraham waited, Abraham saw, Abraham rejoiced, and we're waiting, and we're better for it. And can I just give one insight about the reason, perhaps, and I don't know this categorically or definitively, why did God take 2,000 years for the second coming of Jesus, like 2,000 years for the first coming of Jesus from the time of Abraham? Well, I can't say for sure, but just think of it this way. Had Jesus come back in the first century, how many redeemed people would there be? Jesus coming back in the 21st century obviously will be a whole lot more redeemed people than in the first century. The new Jerusalem is very big, and God wants to fill it as much as possible. That's why, let's remember, this is the gospel of Matthew. Let's share the gospel as the Lord leads with whomever and wherever we have the chance. So we learned about the genealogy. Jesus is linked to two covenants here. Actually, he's linked to all of them, but he's linked to the covenant of David, meaning he's the son of David who will rule as king on David's throne. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end, according to Luke one thirty-three. And then, of course, he's linked to the Abrahamic covenant, hence he's the son of Abraham. It says in Genesis 12:3, in you and in your seed, singular, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Well, of course, the seed is Christ. The New Testament makes that very, very plain. And yes, through Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth are blessed. There are probably churches in just about every nation on earth, including ones you would not have expected, because God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In fact, that's Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 16, the very gospel of which we are studying now. So we learned that there were 14 generations between Abraham and David, David and Babylon, Babylon and Jesus. Now we come to the narrative where we're telling the story of how the birth of Jesus occurred. His mother was Mary, a spouse to Joseph. But before the marriage was consummated, she was already pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's often said, and there's nothing, of course, implied in the text, that Mary may have been a teenager and Joseph may have been an older man. Now, we say older, maybe in his 20s. We don't know. The New Testament is silent. And I guess it doesn't really matter either. But, you know, a younger mother probably was a divinely good idea, just think of it, the younger they are, the more pure they can be and the more innocent they can be. But let's not speculate anymore of the age. The Bible doesn't say, and therefore we're not going to harp on it. But we know that she is found with child. So this is, of course, very problematic. Joseph is marrying a woman that already 
is with child. What about the wagging tongues? Remember, back then, as well as now, in Asia, from Beirut to Beijing, one of the great fears is what will the neighbors say? What will the people say? Because Asia is a wonderful continent in many, many ways, but it is a shame-based culture, and there is a fear of what people might say or think or do. And I don't think Joseph was any exception. Here he's got a pregnant, espoused wife. That's not his child. He did not want to make her a public example because he's a just man. He's a decent man. He's an honorable man. So he basically was going to put her away privately. Putting her away privately is still an idiom for a divorce, except it's a quiet divorce, no fanfare, no public shaming, no spotlights. It's going to be quiet. And that was his intention. However, the angel of the Lord is appearing to him. While Joseph was thinking about his next move, here comes the angel. And he comes to Joseph in a dream. And I might add, before I fail to mention it later, Joseph is mentioned prominently in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the Gospel of Matthew. But it's very interesting. He's never actually quoted as saying anything. Now, of course, he talks. He's not mute. But he's never quoted. The Gospel never gives a statement from Joseph. What the Gospel does with Joseph is highlights his actions not his words. And I guess, when we think about it, actions actually do speak louder than words. So the angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And it's interesting. He calls to Joseph by name. Remember, God knows your name, friends. And furthermore, he knows how to spell your name. He knows how to pronounce your name. He has numbered the hairs on your head. God knows. And let me tell you, not only does God know, but God cares. He cares for you. He cares for me. That's why we're learning the Gospel of Matthew, to see how much God cared, that he sent his only begotten Son for us, to be our Savior, to be our prophet, to be our high priest, to be our great king. So the angel calls him Son of David, because Joseph is related to the lineage of David, even though David was a thousand years earlier, and told Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She is not an immoral woman. She's a very righteous, godly woman. The child in her womb was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural conception. So she's your wife. She is righteous. So take her under your covering and take care of her so you can be a family. Now, it doesn't say anything here, and I'm not saying the angel ever put it this way, but Joseph will end up having a large family. Jesus is first, he's special, but he will have sons and daughters, courtesy of Mary. And then, of course, verse 21, I quoted earlier, the angel predicts the gender of the child, he will be a son, and the name of the child, he will be called Jesus. Now, remember, Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. Yeshua is the diminutive of the name Yehoshua. Yehoshua is, of course, Joshua. Joshua is the great leader of Israel that brought them into the promised land. But the name Joshua, Yehoshua, means Savior. So the child in Mary's womb shall be called Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. 
What I've learned is that Jesus is a great Savior. He saves us from sin, sickness, worldliness, danger, the devil, death, and hell. Formidable enemies, he deals with them and slays them all. He is a great And then prophecy is fulfilled. Matthew 1, and 23, all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying that the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son, and call his name Emmanuel, which interpreted means God with us. The angel is quoting Isaiah 7 and verse 14. This is one of many great quotes from the Old Testament showing that Jesus fulfills them to the full. Think of it this way. The birth of this God-man, this child, son of David, son of God, Jesus. He's not only going to be man to die for us, he's going to be God to save us. And this Savior, Jesus, is, of course, fulfilling prophecy even before he's born, because remember, you're going to learn this as well, he fulfills Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the fact that he's born in Bethlehem. But we'll get to that in the next lesson. How does Joseph respond to the angelic exhortation, invitation, command? It says, after he rose up from his sleep, what did he do? He obeys the command of the angel and takes Mary back as his wife. He's a righteous man because he did what God said. You will be righteous too by doing what God says. And what God says starts out with the gospel. And the gospel says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess with your mouth that he is Lord, believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. That's Romans 9, verse 10. Obey him, and you will be declared righteous. So that's a good thing to do. Finally, in verse 25 of Matthew 1, the last verse of chapter 1, it says, And he knew her not till she was she brought forth her firstborn son, and he, that's Joseph, called his name Jesus. So basically, the holy family was back together, but they did not consummate the marriage until after the birth of the child. And Joseph, in fulfillment of the command of Matthew one twenty one, names the child Jesus. Friends, what this means is the Savior is born. Our lesson is called The Birth of Jesus. And our lesson for life is this. The supernatural conception of Jesus was a fulfillment of prophecy and meant to show he really is the Messiah, the Christ. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations, Education, and thank you for liking our page. Also visit our homepage at tantan.org.au to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter. Issachar wants to give you value-added communication so you can be future-ready with articles from the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the birth of Jesus, of which the Christmas holiday celebrates. I pray, Lord, that we will enjoy this coming Christmas and Christmases to follow more and more because we know the biblical background to the holiday. But more than that, help us to see that you cared so much for us, you sent your very best, your only begotten Son. For this we praise you, we thank you, 
and we bless your wonderful name through Christ the Lord. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.